Fueled, episode number 60 with the one and only Steve Patterson. Welcome to Fueled, the podcast for teens that aspire for greatness. My name is Easton Allred, and I'm a successful entrepreneur, athlete, college student, and personal development guru. Each week, I interview successful and inspiring individuals that will teach you the secrets of setting goals and developing life-changing habits that will fuel you to greatness. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get fueled. Hello, Fuel listeners, and welcome to episode number 60 of Fueled. This is your podcast host, Easton Allred, and as usual, I am so excited to be on the podcast with you guys today. We have an incredible guest getting on, Steve Patterson, right after getting fired, built his company from the ground to now being a massive company, making a huge difference in the world. I had the opportunity to do this interview in person, and I got to tell you, just being around this guy, he's got this light about him, he's so much fun to be around, and he's the most inspiring guy. Steve, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Could you tell my audience a little bit about you and what you're doing right now, both professionally and personally? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations. It's cool that you're doing what you're doing. I'm inspired by it. I think that... uh, um, at 15 years old, having the curiosity of other people is freaking an amazing skill. Like, you want that in life. Like, being curious is, I think, one of the most compelling things you can have. So I'm impressed. Um, so I am 44 years old. I'm uh, in the order of things that um, I personally pay attention to. I'm, I have an amazing wife of... Um, we're coming up on almost 25 years, I think. She's going to be mad if she hears this, and I don't know the exact number, 20 or something along those lines. Yeah, 20 years. And uh, and then I have three kids that are 16, 14, and 11, and that is uh, what has me here because this is an amazing place to raise kids and a mm-hmm. family. And so um, they're first and foremost for me personally. And... Um, Professionally, I'm the CEO for Broadnet, and our business, um, our businesses, our customers are some of the world's biggest personalities, the people that uh, folks are most interested in hearing from. So, um, our audience of who buys our products are members of Congress, members of the Senate. Most National Football League teams, 31 of the 32 teams, have used this before for engaging their season ticket holders. Uh, NBA teams, National Hockey League, Major League Baseball leaders around the world. And so what we do for them is we enable them to do kind of what you're doing, where you have an audience that's interested in talking to you. Our customers have huge audiences that are interested in talking to them. So uh, in Congress, our product is called Telephone Town Hall. In sports, it's called fan forums. It just depends on the market. And they have what we get in these experiences is really cool because um, they will reach out and uh, ask 40, 50,000 people, 2 million people is the most that we've ever done. We have the uh, world record for the most people talking on the phone at the same time. Uh, happened right here. And we have done that with presidents from Air Force One. We've done it through all sorts of incredible experiences where I've got to see people do things where I'm like, that's pretty cool the way you engage folks so um that's what we do professionally and um it brings me back to you it's why i love meeting people who are interested in communicating and talking and sharing ideas because it's what i built a living doing definitely so when you say like communicating and engaging what Mm -hmm. exactly does that mean when you go talk to the nfl when you go talk to 
all of these big names and these mm-hmm. big companies. What exactly are you doing? I'm just trying to get a better uh, works. understanding for that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So today what happens is that, uh, as an example, uh, the other night Senator Cory Gardner wanted to engage Coloradoans about what he was thinking about in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, with his role in so many of the committees that he is on, he has, um, he's an important senator. He's got, a, he, he's got a, a lot to be thinking about. One of the things I love about what he does is that he uses technology like ours to be able to listen to what people do. So uh, on Monday night, we hosted an event for him where we reached out on people's mobile phones, on people's landlines, on their tablets, on their computers, on text, and, in a whole, and on Facebook Live, on video, on all, all these mechanisms all at once, where we said, hey, the senator is ready to talk, and he would like to talk to you right now. And if you want to participate in the conversation, you can. So with each of those different mediums, we send out a different invitation. So if on your mobile phone, it would be a recording that says, hi, it's me, it's Cory Gardner, and I want to talk to you about what's going on in Washington. If you want to stay on and have that conversation, just don't hang up. Or when you're watching him on Facebook, it's just Facebook Live comes up, mm-hmm. and then he has a conversation. So we coordinate all of those different platforms for them so they can reach their audiences live. Cool. So is it, like, in a sense, a marketing tool? Is that what you would say? What? No, I would say it's more of a it's, – it it's a really good listening tool because what it enables them to do is our limitation here is it's just going to be you and I talking. But yeah. you have this audience who's also interested in who you talk to. Totally. So what it does is enables you to take those people live into the conversation so they can ask their questions oh, too. Okay. And so wow. that makes it um, – not only can they ask their questions – then when a senator or the head coach of a football team is there introducing new draft picks, which will be happening next week on our platform yeah. as we go through the NFL draft, um, giving season ticket holders a chance to ask people questions so that they're involved in the conversation mm-hmm. too. That's that's the beauty of the product. That's how it works. Definitely. So, I mean, that seems really cool. And I think yeah. that uh, you're in a very successful position right now being a CEO of a very, very big and successful company. What did it take to get to that position? I mean, a lot of my guests are teenager, teenagers that are aspiring to get there one day. What are the steps that you took to get there, and how can teens do the same? I didn't take very good ones as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. Um, and that's... Um, and so the thing I tell uh, the, the the thing I tell my sons and the thing I tell my daughter is that the most important thing that I think you can do is... First of all, just figure out what your potential is. I personally believe God gave you um, potential that's vast, and it's your uh, it's your obligation to understand the vastness of that potential. Everybody's is different. Everybody's has different definitions, and so knowing who you are and like what you're capable of, like when I read about you and see the interviews you've done and see the things that you did in anticipation of getting to meet you. Um, I already know you get this, right? Knowing that you have to start to figure out what you're capable of. And as you do, it's amazing. Because you're like, oh, I can, I can totally do this. I can pull this off. So uh, I think the best thing teenagers can do is really start uh, spending as much time as they can looking in the mirror about who they are and what they're capable of. And then letting two big things motivate them. Uh, ambition's one. Um, you have to have ambition. You have to care about something. And the other thing is you have to have a little bit of anxiousness about it because that's what makes you do it, right? Yeah. If you, if you, that anxiousness can come from the love of your family pushing your buttons to achieve the things they believe that you can achieve. Uh, but identifying with what is helping you do those things 
That's why it's so important for kids to have great relationships with their family because they want for them. They want them to achieve. They, and feeling that, um, that love that comes through pressure, that's a big deal as a teenager to pay attention to that in a positive way because it's so easy for us when we're in that age to pay attention to it in a negative way, to be like, oh, my, pa- my parents are pushing my buttons. They're pushing your buttons because they love you so dang much that they want to see you realize that potential. And I know that because I'm living it right now. Totally, and I think what you said about passion and ambition is so cool. I mean, a lot of what I'm trying to get through with my podcast, my biggest message is to find your passions and to start working towards that right yeah, now. Because absolutely. I think that especially as teenagers and in high school, if you can just find your passions and you can start working towards that now, your potential just becomes unlimited. But the next question I have for you is mm-hmm. you're the CEO of Broadnet right mm-hmm. now. Is that something that you started or is that something that you kind of took over? What's that story? It's a good question. I did start it. I started it uh, from my basement when I lived over here at Highlands Ranger Golf no Club about a mile from here on the back of the 11th hole. I was sitting in my basement with little guys running around. Um, I had been laid off from um, what is now level three and I was laid off on my son's first birthday with my next one I'm going to be born in a couple months. And so I was in a spot of tremendous risk i had um i had babies right i had one and i had another one coming and um i founded broadnet because uh, i had the fortune of meeting um good partners and folks that were uh either understood sales or understood uh, how to develop software and we ham and egged it out of a basement. And so, um, same thing, you know, it was some ambition. I wanted to do something different than what I had just been through. And I had the right amount of anxiety. There was the right amount of pressure, like, I want to perform, I want to do well. And so, um, that's how I started. Mm. And that's cool to see that that really was a huge risk for you. I mean, when you have kids, you have to be able to support a family. And yeah, you do. I think that's a, that's a big deal. You can't so. fail. Absolutely, and I think that a big thing about goals and achieving what you want to do is it has to be a must for you, and, and you made that goal and you decided that you were going to start Broadnet, but you needed it to work. Must. And, so when you, and when it's a must and when you need it to work, it always happens. It does. So I love that. And Something I think always that, happens. Yeah, totally. And I think that um, with entrepreneurs, so many entrepreneurs fail. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody makes it there. What, what helped you to be able to be one of those people who made it? Well, every entrepreneur fails. Yeah. If um, if you're not failing some, you're not trying hard enough. And it's just that black and white. You're a runner. You don't go out and run your personal best every time. Sometimes you fail on what you thought you could do. So if you're going to be an incredible person, you're going to enable yourself to fail. So I fail in here all the time. I really do. I mean, and I'm not saying it for a fact. I really do fail often. And I take pride in those failures because they're more important than the successes, actually. Success can happen for so many reasons. You can be in the right place at the right time and assume that that is the smell of success. And it's because it comes with compensation and money and pay. But that isn't really what success is. That's what we think it looks like sometimes because it has a, it has a possession to it. it it's, a, it's what you get for having been in the right place at the right time. What you learn in failure, what you learn in when you screw something up, is so much more important than when people are clapping for you because that's when you're by yourself, that's when you have to look inside, that's when all of that stuff is most educational. So 
What I think is different is, is that sometimes people assume that when a business doesn't work that that entrepreneur failed. It's not true actually because they have learned something and they don't die because they failed at a business. They go and they do something with what they just failed at. So um, I'm going to continue to find ways to do good things and I'm going to continue to find ways to mess some things up. And so I'm, I'm as eager about learning from those as I am about... Uh, the good things that come. Absolutely. I don't know if you're familiar with Seth Godin, but I really look up to that guy. And one of his biggest quotes is, whoever fails the most wins. And I feel very passionate about that topic because if you're willing to take that risk, then you have way more potential than someone who's not trying at all or is too For scared sure. to make that decision. Um, this may seem like a let's go, go Let's ahead. go to this one point though, really quickly. Because when we talk about reaching your potential, you don't know where that potential is without failing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right, because otherwise it's just a, it's just it's just something that's out there in the ether that you're not really all that tuned into. You don't know how good you are until you start to fail at a few things. Then you're like, okay, there's there's where I'm at. That's interesting. I've actually never thought about thought about it like that. But as a runner, I've always been wondering when am I gonna? How far can I go? How far can I push myself? And that's kind of something I've been struggling with. I feel like I've been holding myself back just a little bit to where I could be reaching that full potential. So that's something that I need to take to heart for sure. And this next question may mm -hmm. seem a little bit simple to you, sure. but um, as a teenager, I don't really know this process. What's the process like of starting a business? I mean, you start in your garage and how do you start building that and getting employees and, and turning it into a whole big company? So I would tell you the first thing is you got to spend 50 bucks and get a business license, right? <laughs> and that's, well, that's, it's funny how big of a step that seems, right? Because yeah. it's just doing that step is a on a first step to doing what you should be doing. Um, for me, Easton, for me, it's just been that, like, I think that things show up in ways that are obvious. You know when to hire somebody because you can't do it anymore on your own. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're going to be a good, I think, I think great business people are usually great storytellers. They can talk about things that they do in ways that are interesting, that make people ask questions. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the start of our conversation, I put enough out there that I want you to ask a question. I want, I want to see if I can stimulate your interest in what we do because that's what storytelling should do. It should, it should generate questions. So whether you're selling grass services and you're starting a business, which is a great business to start, is to get out and have to deal with people and have to put yourself out there, you still got to go up to somebody's doorstep and tell a story about why you should be the one that should be hired to mow that grass. And you have to have that. I mean, that's in the mo that's what I did when I was 15, 16 years old. I was either mowing yards or, you know, I worked at a pool and um, I still had to get somebody to hire me. And so that story of getting interviewed to get the job isn't a whole lot different than the interview that you go through to get a client. You got to still tell them a story about why they should buy either you or buy from you. So I think that's the thing that some sometimes we don't spend enough time on is that we think that we got to figure out how to create Google or we, how we have to create Facebook from our ba basement. You don't. You just got to figure out something you like yeah. and then tell a story about why you should be the one that somebody should buy it from. And then oh. you got yourself a company. I like it. That's sweet. Um, so the next question I have is, and I really mm -hmm. like asking this question because I get very interesting results from it, but what do you think is your message that you're here to share? What do you think, if you can get the earpiece of everyone in the world, what would you be saying? What's your word, what are your words of encouragement or pieces of advice? God has given you potential. I, I don't believe, that. No, he has. 
and you got to figure out what it is mm-hmm. and you got to go chase it and you got to figure and, and and you have to think it through like it's not it's not this gift that just shows up on your doorstep like you have to work at finding what that is mm-hmm. you have to explore yourself you have to set yourself up for success which means enabling yourself to fall down and to fail and that's in our personal life it's in our spiritual life it's in our professional life that you uh, the more you endeavor to do those things the more beauty you will reveal about what you're capable of doing. And I believe it with everything I am because it's a mistake to chase professional things for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. right? Not everybody's going to be an entrepreneur. You You have peers that are listening to you who shouldn't also feel overwhelmed about do they need to start a company because that won't necessarily be the definition of success. The definition of success for me is what are you going to become with what is given to you? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to show the world what you uniquely can do? And if that's a doctor or if that is somebody who defends our country or if that's somebody who oversees neighborhoods as a person supporting law enforcement, all these different professions that none of this works without, those are the, that, that's, that's what you got to find in yourself is what are you, what are you, what's your path, what's your mm-hmm. entrepreneurial path that might not have you being the CEO one day, but has you fully aware of what you're capable of. People who think about that the most, they achieve the most amazing things. Mm-hmm. They really do. If you can have that passion, if you can use your God-given um, talents, and if you can love something and then work all out towards that, I believe that you really can do anything. You can do whatever you want to do. Yes. And I think mentors are a very big part of our lives and, and really determine where we go and who we become. Who have your mentors been in high school, and how has that changed for you now? So... Um... My household was a place that um, was a loving, supporting place, for sure. Um, Every home that has parents that love them is an amazing home, right? Because that's just just what has to happen. Professionally then, I mean, I wasn't... when, When I was 15 years old, it was 1987, and I can't tell you that there was a well-defined social idea around mentorship. Not certainly like there is today. You don't have to read very many business books to uh, contemplate mentors and what they mean to people and to have them. And so um, I didn't formally identify with one the way folks now formally identify one because the right behavior today is to find somebody who will invest in you to have a really interpersonal one-on-one relationship mm-hmm. that you can share almost anything with and so sometimes it's in our house and sometimes it's not yeah. but you do I, I agree with what I think the point of your question is is it important it's incredibly important because um, in order to trust the broader world you have to find people that you can individually trust and mm-hmm. so as I get older I can't tell you how much that's in my wife right where she is in many ways my mentor for my own development about what I'm going mm-hmm. to become as a man and Um, So everybody has to find that person where you have that level of honest transparency with because mentorship takes all forms. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I like how you ended that too. You have to have someone that you can always be honest with. And and I think what kind of goes along with that is accountability. Having someone that is on your team and is holding you accountable, helping you to achieve your goals and what you want to do, wherever that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think is one habit that you have that has helped you to be more successful throughout your life? 
Well, it's one that I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm always working towards is that you have to, um, I think you have to put yourself through the discipline of um, almost embarrassing personal humility. Mm-hmm. You have to tell yourself what you're not doing a good job of. And mm-hmm. you have to, you got to pay attention to your weaknesses. And I think I'm, I'm good at that. Sometimes I get too chubby and I'm like, it's time to get back, <laughs> get back in the gym and start moving harder. And that's usually because there's a day when I'm like, dude, you don't look that good in the mirror. You better fix it, man. Uh, self-awareness is key, though. Self-awareness is key. And if you don't have... If you don't have that self-awareness about all your chubbiness, because we all have it. We all mm-hmm. have it in different ways, and we all have it in different places. And if you don't pay attention to it, then it'll get you because it's weakness, right? And so you just got to know what they are so that you're paying attention to them. So I do think in my practice of like what I think is important is um, I know when I'm being too proud, I catch myself. I'm like, you're being too stinking proud. And... Um, learning if you're going to forgive other people for the things they do you got to learn how to forgive yourself mm-hmm. and I and all this for me since still goes back into the things that you can probably tell are important to me I think faith and having faith of something that is bigger than you mm-hmm. I never try to tell people what I think that should be because I hope that folks find ways to discover it on their own but you got to have some faith and I like that because I have a really hard time with my own self-awareness. And I think that sometimes I like to just think, I try to ignore the, my downfalls and I try to focus on the things that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, that's a good thing. But if you have that self-awareness, then you're able to address it. Whereas if you're ignoring it and, and always putting it in a positive light without recognizing it, then you can't fix that. So I think that self-awareness is something that I personally struggle with and I and um, I'm loving this because I'm getting some great tips for myself that I can use and implement. Well, they're given one you went physically. I remember uh, before Steve and Ashley Hartle opened up Backcountry CrossFit, I was the person that they were training, um, figuring out what that program was going to be that mm-hmm. they would go put in because I was the chubby kid that they were going <laughs> to fix. And uh, Steve and Ashley will tell you, I do not like Turkish get-ups. Oh. And... I can agree um, with you on that one. Yeah, and I complain about them. And I would walk around and be the guy who was like, these really suck. Why do we do these? <laughs> yeah. And then when they would craft a birthday workout for me, which they are known to do over there, um, mine always had Turkish get-ups in it. Oh. And, like, I love people who get that, right? That those people know that's your weakness. So go pay attention to it. Go work on it because... Um, as you know from somebody who's been to CrossFit, is that there are moments in exercise where you start to give yourself lots of reasons to quit and lots of reasons not to keep moving and not, lots of reasons to be like, this is a good time for me to put my hands on my knees and catch my breath. And having people around you who are like, no, you can do more than that. You can, you can do this Turkish get-up even though it's your birthday. That's that kind, of, that kind of training of your mind about how your body reacts to stress is what we're talking about. That's failure. I suck at Turkish get-ups. So I should do more of them, right? Because it'll make you better at it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been an honor having you on. I really yeah, loved and been a pleasure I really enjoyed uh, this interview. I've got two more questions for sure. you. First one is, if you could have 10 minutes with your former teenage self, what advice would you give yourself and why? You sent me that question I saw it a few minutes ago for the first time. And it's something I think a little bit about. Like, what would I say to the younger me? And I'm not sure I'd say anything. Mm-hmm. I think our journey is the amazing thing, right? That 
we're always looking back about what we would fix as compared to trusting what's happening to us right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm a person full of regrets. There's so much stuff that I wish I could have done a little better. And, and at the same time as I age and I think about it, um, or maybe I wouldn't, and maybe, maybe this is what I was supposed to be doing along the way. And so to that effect, I would have loved to have said, Steve, do all you can to reach your potential because that's what those regrets are. Sometimes the things that you didn't do, you wonder like what would have happened if I'd have gone down that road. But my faithful, loving heart says, trust him, and I'm going to go down the road. I'm going to go down. Absolutely. Do you have any last parting words of advice for fewer listeners? Yeah. Do what this young man here and standing in front of me <laughs> is doing. You're chasing your dreams, and you're chasing the things that you buy into, and you're curious. You're reaching out to people you've never met before. And I actually think the most interesting part of today is actually going to have been for me because you're going to meet a lot of folks like me but I'm not going to have met a lot of folks like you and so keep doing this man because for the folks that are listening to Easton he is um, he's figuring out what his potential is you're figuring out what your highest highs are going to be and now and then you're probably not running as fast as you think you can run Um, but you strike me as somebody who's going to keep making those runs. So uh, chase your passions. That's what you're supposed to do. Thank you very much, Steve. It was an honor having you on the podcast. And thank you all, Fuel listeners, for tuning in to episode number 60 of Fueled. Please leave a review, subscribe, and I'll see you all in future episodes.